Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Welcome this morning. We're glad you're here. What? I don't understand. I don't mind. You can lead me into didn't bother you, I guess. whichever angle you would like that to be placed. Yeah, we're sharing uh, notes today. Mm-hmm. Where would you like this? Well, I can't see that far anyway, so. <laughs> well, it is baby dedication, and we do this a couple times a year. Um, we have to do it that way because you all have a lot of babies. There's just no other real way to say that that isn't grosser. They have a lot of babies. Yeah. So, and we still are having a lot of babies in this church, so good job. Keep it up, everybody. And that's what keeps life you. magical. It is. It's hard to be grouchy when there's little babies around because you can't cross your eyebrows or even raise your voice around a baby without them reminding you that, you know, it's just not a happy, happy thing to do. It's true. I was looking back last night at the cute things our kids have said and done, and it just, you know, warms my heart. I remember one of the first times the girls were old enough looking out the window and it started snowing in December and they were just little tiny one and two year olds jumping up and down, squealing with delight as the snowflakes were falling. It's Christmas, it's Christmas. And those are just the, the awesome memories that little kids bring. It's true, my brother Curtis sent me some photos this week of my nephew Leif, his son, um, climbing rocking chairs. And it, it very, you know, they, the little boys and little girls, they don't climb rocking chairs in a safe way. Not that rocking chairs were a safe thing to climb anyways, but it did. And I had to let Kurt know. It, it brought back the immediate memory of Logan when he was that age, climbing things like rocking chairs with his little monkey bare feet that somehow he got grip with. And he would look at Amy and say, I dangerous, mummy. I dangerous. <laughs> And I love, I love that stage. I think us as men, we really do love that. When they start getting mobile toddler stage, like we like babies too. Oh, they're so but, fun. But that toddler stage is We like had rules amazing. for Logan that people weren't allowed to take his socks off. That's true. Because if he had bare grounded. feet, he could climb any piece of furniture in the yeah. house. The walls. <laughs> he could get out of his crib. He could climb on top of the piano. Bare feet were a problem for that kid. Yeah. <laughs> they were. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, it's our baby dedication. We do it twice a year, usually. And we remind each other that whatever stage you're in, it can be hard, it can be exhausting, it's amazing. If you consider that it's just a phase, well, we always say, it's just a phase, so don't miss it. And so, um, with that, we have our video, um, and... And it's just important as we go through today and even, even just in our weeks to consider that one of the sobering truths about parenting is that you are teaching your children something, whether or not you're being intentional. And so we love to just take, take time throughout the year to consider how to be intentional and what the Bible says about that. And we want to be intentional as we build our family. So cue the video. You ready? Um preparing myself for it. Okay. Uh, I still have a hard time with that movie video. Annika last night was telling me about what songs that would play at her wedding and which ones we would be dancing to. It's just weird how fast it all happens. 
Not that she's getting married anytime soon. <laughs> I should qualify that, I guess. She's just a very thoughtful. She's thoughtful. Thoughtful, yes. thoughtful child. Yes. You just taking a moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, we do want to encourage you to be intentional as you build your family, and you know. If you don't come from a healthy family, you can make sure that a healthy family comes from you. And you can change the pattern. And as we were preparing this week and even, um, you know, just singing together and singing over each other this morning, just considering how important um, the generations are, right? The things we do, they're not just for me, they're not just for my children, for my grandchildren that I don't even have yet. The choice that my mom and dad made to follow Jesus changed everything for me and for my grandchildren. I don't have to carry bad habits into the next generation. I don't have to carry the abuse that my mom experienced into my life or into my children's life. The, uh, the passage we always like to, to read at this point, it hasn't changed, and we're going to read it with you again this morning. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 3, and then verses 5 to 9. This is what it says. Now, this is the commandment and the statutes and the judgment which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may do them in the land where you are going over to take possession of it, so that you, your son, and your grandson will fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I have commanded you all the days of your life. <clears throat> And that your days may be prolonged. Now, Israel, you shall listen and be careful to do them, so that it may go well for you, and that you may increase greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, with all your strength. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall repeat them diligently to your sons, and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. You shall also tie them as a sign to your hand, and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. You shall also write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I just want to draw your attention to something that we read right at the beginning here. This is the commandments that the Lord God commanded me to teach you so that you, your son, and your grandson. Moms and dads, I, I, I want you to know that, that when your kids leave home, your job isn't over. And in a family, the generational structure not only is the nuclear family under attack in the days that we're in, but the generational structure of family is also brutally under attack. And there is no, no shortage. You don't have to look very hard to find people who are struggling or find examples of how the enemy attacks the home. And I think sometimes we, 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 we get the part where, okay, well, I'm, I'm the dad. I'm going to change things for my family, and that's true. But but we really do need you to think one generation further than that. You're responsible, God says. You're responsible for yourself, for your son, and for your grandson. And we haven't camped on that very often, have we? But I want to, I want to point it out to us this morning. There's three generations that are at play. One day I'd like to see four generations in this church. But right now there are three. My, my father has a spiritual responsibility to himself, to me, and to my sons. My mother has a spiritual responsibility to, them, to herself, to myself, and to my daughters. 
And so it is for all of us. And Pastor Amy shared as we began today, you might not come from the best home, but let it start with you. And don't think for a second that, oh, I've had my one kid, I've contributed to society, they're going to turn out okay, and then I'm going to go on vacation for the rest of my life. That is not how it works in the kingdom of God. You have a beautiful and wonderful responsibility from the day you enter this world to the day you get married and until the day your children give you grandchildren to your death. You have a beautiful and amazing responsibility to the house of God to see to it that the statutes, the commands, that the love of the Lord, what he's done in people's lives is taught and retaught, not just to yourself, but to your sons and to your grandsons. Please don't forget it. It's so important. <laughs> that really messed up your notes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I think, I think that's just really significant with what, what God is saying to our church and to us right now in this season. It's so, it's so easy to be drawn in all the different directions that come our way. And so if we just look at this passage of Scripture and meditate on it and think about it, it, it makes everything else become so clear because there's so many opportunities. There's so many things vying for our attention and oppor opportunities specifically, you know, in our culture. I know with our family, it's very, it's very difficult to say no to everything that comes our way. But when we say the big yeses, like we always say here, yes means no. When we understand our values as a family, our vision as a family, um, and bring it right back to this, like, no, I have a responsibility here um, to bring them up in the Lord. And how am I going to do that best? It might mean that I have to say no to some peripheral things so that I can bring them to the house of God on Sunday, so that I can bring them into community, um, whatever that looks like in your family. Um, but I think, it, I think it can be really, really difficult if we don't aim back to this. It's it's actually really important. It's not just my relationship with God. If I come to church or I read my Bible, but they're not, or I'm not able to pass those things on, it, it ends with me. Yeah. The reality is that Satan is after your kids. I, you, you may not want to hear that, but I don't care. Satan is after your kids. And again, I, I don't know what, where you're sleeping if you're not aware of that, but it seems like people aren't always aware of this fact He's after your kids. Look at what's being taught in their schools. Look at what's being taught in media. And, um, you know, the, the, one of the recent stats that we've pulled is that the average family, uh, Canada, North America, whichever it is, is only spending 27 minutes a day together. 27 minutes a day. And I would actually wager that a good chunk of that 27 minutes, the family is together, but I bet you several people are on some kind of a device at the same time. Subject to what? Well, whatever it is the device is. And yeah, I'm not demonizing devices necessarily. I mean, my Instagram feed, uh, some days it's full of sermons. Some days it's full of worship music outtakes and fails. Uh, some days, I don't know why the algorithm decides I'm a man and I want to look at inappropriate things, but there it is, some days. And your feed is probably going to be the exact same kind of thing. Guys, the enemy is after us. He's after our kids. And 27 minutes a day is not enough. That's not enough time to parent anything. I mean, 27 minutes a day isn't enough time to potty train a dog, is it? I mean, anybody potty train a dog? It takes actually more than 27 minutes a day. And, and so we're living in a delusion, I think, these days in our society where we think that, that well, okay, we're going to be really intentional. You know, one thing that's under attack is the family table. 
I mean, we don't have that anymore. We don't have that sit down. And, and I, my poor kids, I get quite grouchy with them from time to time when they start eating. You know, they get in a habit and they're in a rush because we got to go to the next thing. And, and Amy's still bringing food out. And sometimes some of those kids are, are starting to fork food. I'm like, what are you doing? Slow down. We got to stop. We got to, we're, we're going to eat together as a family. And we have to actually fight for that. And I think that if the pastor's family has to fight for it, then everyone else's family should have to fight for it too. Yeah. I think that would be fair, don't you? And I think that would, that would do something. It would tell us that we're all pretty normal, that we're all going through the same things. We don't, we don't have some kind of supernatural presence of God in our home that's unavailable to someone else. Yeah, even the healthiest of families struggle with being intentional, yes. whether it's eating a meal or having an intentional conversation at the dinner table. It is hard work to be intentional in a family. Yeah, because about the time your teenagers are ready to talk, you're ready and needing to go to bed. Yes. <laughs> and so, so you have to work it out. You have to figure it out. You have to, you have to double down, right? The, 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 the time when you just really want a nap and the toddler is ready to engage with you. We remember. Yeah. We remember how hard that was. We remember how tiring it is. And we're a little bit happy that we don't live there every day anymore. It's kind of great, actually. And if you're not remembering that it's just a phase, you miss it. That's right. So in Deuteronomy, it points out actually that even if you weren't trying to create more time, even if you're only going to use those 27 minutes that you are together, there's some cues that can point you towards being intentional. And I love that in verse 5 and 6 where it talks about loving the Lord your God, the commandments that I give you, impressing them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. There's those um, cues about connecting, you know, and so wherever you are at this point in, in rhythm, in um, how, your, how your week looks, you can be cued, you know, maybe on your way driving the kids to school, maybe on your way home, maybe before they take the bus, there's these moments as we sit down to a meal, when we go on our way before bed, these are moments that we can connect and be intentional about loving God, turning our thoughts, turning um, even our heart towards who he is to us and who he is to our family. It's really important when you get lost in the struggles of today. And I actually, I really have, I, I have some favorites in our church. You're actually all my favorites, but I actually love watching Adam and Kelsey Hess. I love watching their family come into church. Um, it's a, it's like a rolling massive ball of snowsuits and snow boots and beautiful, messy haired little girls and, and a wonderful son. And I, I often look at Kelsey and she's, she's working hard. Adam works hard. And just as an example, cause we love you guys and appreciate you so much, but there's something so wonderful about that. And even for me, when I watch a family like that pay the price of coming to church, and wrestling those kids and getting them out of bed and wiping their noses and, 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 and you know, they come and, and those little kids, they own that lobby. They, they own the area. I, I just, I love it so much, but it's the intentionality of that. And, and, and I hope for Adam and Kelsey, I hope and every, every family like that in our church that you're imagining the end. That you're imagining where this is going to put your kid one day. I grew up sleeping underneath church pews on hardwood pews on the nastiest carpet floors you can imagine, like from the 60s and 70s, weird, short carpet fibers. I, we, we were just there. 
Mom and dad put us in the presence of God. They put us in the house of God. And uh, I, remember, I remember one of the times when I was reading in Psalms and I read King David write the words, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord today. And I remember that in my childhood, coming to that place, realizing how glad I was to get to go to God's house and how glad I was to get to go to church. And whether it's because your kid likes the music or because they like the sucker man, I don't care. When our kid, and come on, the sucker man has a real ministry in this church, doesn't he? <laughs> it's a big deal if he has to miss a Sunday. There's a, a lineup of hopelessness out there. It's total despair. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? One thing I really appreciate about my dad is he, when he decided to start giving suckers out, I asked him once upon a time, I asked him about it, and he explained to me that, you know what, it might just be that that sucker, that positive engagement with a child, that could be what keeps them in church some years down the road. That's, see guys, that's thinking with the end. That's imagining the end. What happens when it hits the fan and things get rough in this kid's life? They're going to remember the moment of kindness shown to them by a brother, a father in Christ, a father in the faith. And, and what is it that brings us? The Bible teaches us what brings us to repentance. It isn't the law of God, but it actually says it is the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. And the house of God here is full of kindness for our children and for our families. And if we would just embrace that, if we would imagine the end, man, what, what, what can't God do in us? What can't he do in your children? What can't he do in your family? As long as we're imagining the end, that will give us the drive. Get out of bed. It's worth it. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is your child's relationship with God. Absolutely. Not how great of a football player Logan is. It's true. He might not believe it, but it's, it's true. He does. And he's he become a great football player. Yes, exactly, and there, yeah. there's opportunity in front of him. The only thing that's going to matter after all of that is his relationship with God. And, and when Pastor Travis is talking about um, the Hess family bringing their kids, I, I've spoken to so many families over the years saying, you know, it's so hard, my kids are rowdy. You can't look at the best behaved family in the church and think it magically happened that way. Yeah. They had to picture why they were going to go through the sacrifice. They had to fail at bringing goldfish one week to remember to bring it the next week. You know, they forgot the little cars and the little toys and remembered to pack the bag the next week for the things that they needed to bring the provision. I can't tell you how many times we had little naked toddlers running around with pink pull-ups um, and they were boys because the mom forgot and it, maybe it was me. Um, or accidents, you know? It's worth it, though. Don't compare yourself to someone else that's been doing it for three years and you just started. It is worth it. Imagine the end. It is the one thing that is going to remember. We have to be willing to look at who do I want them to become, not what do I want them to do. I don't, I don't care about their diploma grades as much as I care. Do they know how to listen to the Holy Spirit? Are they lining themselves up with the Word of God? Please do well in school. You know, if, if you're following Jesus, you're going you're gonna to work for excellence. But how, who are they? Who do I want them to become, not just what do I want them to do? Yeah, and then the next question is, how are you going to get them there? Right. Because lots of times we, we can imagine the end, but then, you know, the dreamers in the room are like, that are like me, we can imagine the end. 
It's not hard to dream. It's not hard to think about what it will look like at the end. But the rest of the world looks at us sometimes and goes, oh, like, how are we going to get there? And that's a fair question. And so imagining the end is also going to require us to think about the steps that get us there. And one of the things we actually like to remember, remind people of all the time is that yes means no statement. Yeah. When we are planning our day, when we're planning our week, when we're planning our afternoon, when we're planning what sports our kids will and won't play, we always remember that yes means no. Saying yes to this opportunity means saying no to this, these other opportunities. And you're, everything you say yes to, you're actually saying no to hundreds of other things. It's not a fair trade. It's not like there's just two options in front of us all the time. It's usually here's a great opportunity, and that great opportunity is going to mean we close the door on a hundred other things. Those are hard decisions. It's to harder make if when, not the, when they're really great opportunities, Absolutely. or when the child or the family is really good at a thing. A lot easier when you've already said the big yeses. That's right. Still hard, especially harder the older they get. I yeah. think. The next thing we like to talk about, imagine the end and then number your days. Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may acquire, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Another translation says that we can present to you a heart of wisdom. And this is such a true principle to life, not just parenting. Teach us to number our days. We only have so much time on this earth and we tend when we see how much time we have we tend to do more with our time and so we always bring out these marbles they represent how many weeks you have with the average kid from the time they're born until the time they graduate from high school and so 936 weeks represents the time you have from the time a child is born until they graduate high school it's not a lot of time. We've been counting those weeks from the time our kids have been born. Maybe the boys were toddlers. 936 weeks. If you have a nine-year-old, you're down to 468 weeks. That means you only have 312 marbles before they get their driver's license. We have two driver's licenses, one graduated, one learner's license. One that wants to stay little forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're losing our marbles. That's, yeah, the nature of it. Yeah. For sure. If you think that church is going to influence your child in a relationship with God, consider that there's only 52 weeks in a year. And I would say the Kent family and the Deeth family are the only ones who are in church 51 weeks out of the year, maybe 52. Like, they're here more than we are. Sometimes. Right? So um, that's not a lot of time. Take away from that vacations, sicknesses, other things, sports, tournaments, and all of that. That's about... 40 hours to influence a kid and convince them of the things that matter most. Parents, we have to be intentional. And we have to be intentional with the right thing in mind. I would like you to think about this this morning, that your child, you, me, all of us, are his workmanship created for good works in Christ that God predestined. 
for us. Now, people talk about predestination, they argue, and theologically they, they, they fight about salvation. Here's one place where we can all come to an agreement about predestination in Scripture. There are good works predestined for us. And so, parents, if you can think this way, maybe adapt more of a defensive role than an offensive worrying role. What our role is sometimes as parents is to understand, hey, this is my child. It is the workman. He or she is the workmanship of God created for good works in Christ that they would walk in them. And, and God has prepared them, and he has prepared those works long in advance for them. And so our job is not actually to figure all that out. Our job isn't to worry and fret and be filled with anxiety about whether or not our kid is on the exact... Listen, there is an, there is an element of God's supreme and sovereign will at play in the lives of our kids. And what we need to do is become a buttress. We need to become something that is defensive, that helps to guard their time and guard their thinking so that they can walk in the things that God has called them to do. Does that make sense? Lots of times as parents, we, we get worried. Oh, Lord, if, I, if we, we had to deal with this, this last few months, Logan gets invited to come and try out for a junior football team down on Vancouver Island. And while that's really exciting, I'm not too sure I'm comfortable with Logan going down there. Um, I, I'm not too sure that we're ready for that. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. But as we let that rest with the Lord, suddenly things begin to clear up. Why? Because he is God's workmanship created for Christ, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that he would walk in them. And you see, it takes a lot of pressure off if we give ourselves God's permission to hold our kids with open hands. Again, imagine the end. You can't forsake that. You, you have to teach them. You have to train them. We have to put all the work in. But when it comes right down to it, guys, God is on his throne. And what we need to do is we need to protect the stages of life for our children so that they can develop that relationship with God that will keep them where they need to be kept for all the days of their life. One of the um, things about these marbles, if you have one kid, maybe you might go out and buy 936 marbles and every week you could take one out. But I knew that I'd be a complete failure at that. Like I'd probably be having to count marbles every six weeks because... I'd forget to take them out for four kids. There is an app, the ParentQ app. I highly recommend it. I've been using it for years. Um, it actually digitally tracks marbles. You can enter your child's birth date, their approximate graduation date. You can put up some, look at there's Jakin's name, and he has no more marbles left because he graduated this year. And then he adventured off. And it's not that you're like done parenting, right? It's that they, you get to celebrate that they move on to what's next. There's Logan, 32 weeks until they move on to what's next, Annika, Mara. Um, and in that app as well, there are, if they're in elementary or preschool, our church um, in Gen Kids links, it's linked with the curriculum that they're learning each week. So their memory verse, the video, you as a parent get to access that. And I found that so helpful, especially in preschool. Uh, <laughs> Why are you looking at me? In preschool, I just, sometimes I just didn't know what to pray or I didn't know, you know, how to apply a Bible story to a toddler. And it was so helpful to me, that app. And, and the kids loved it. They loved having those devotional times at bedtime and even after dinner. Can we watch our video? And so they would watch it like every single night, the same one, and it stuck in their heart. God made me. God loves me. Jesus wants to be my forever friend. They're learning that 
in that preschool environment year after year. And so I encourage you, use that tool. It's a great tool. We love it. And it's there for you. And serving kids ministry too. It gives you a great uh, resource learning how to teach. It gives you a great theological foundation. Absolutely. Kids ministry does. This is the first steps of what we would call widening the circle. And you are not meant to parent alone. You're actually meant to parent in community. Um, and a family is at its base core. It is the essence of community, of course. But then we need to widen that circle. And we widen the circle in the family of the church, especially, because there are resources. But more than resources, there are just there are people. And it's been many, many years that we've walked with Tyson and Danita, Jana, Carla, Ed, Danielle, Jared, Shirley, um, and many of you. And it's always, it's always amazing to be reminded of and then sometimes to get a, a foresight of what it's going to be like as our kids go through different stages. And as we walk through life together in this wider circle, we benefit from each other. We benefit from the shared wisdom. We benefit from the conversation. We benefit from the moments where there's nothing to do but pray together because it's all falling apart. We benefit from sometimes as the dad and the pastor, I'm actually not the best guy to say something to one of my sons. And it needs to be another man of God who comes alongside them. And so widening the circle is important. And shame will try to keep you isolated. Just hear this again. Don't fall for that bait. Don't, don't live in the shame. You might not be able to get your family presented the way you want to and get to church. Who cares? Who cares? We've done this. We, we've been there. We understand. I love it when babies yell back at me during the message. It's not a problem for us. Nobody's going to lose their salvation because your kids screamed in church. The Holy Spirit doesn't depart. It's not like Ichabod. The glory has departed because somebody's kid has a smelly diaper in the back row somewhere. You know what? When Jesus fed the 5,000, it was the 5,000 men that were counted, and likely there were maybe even 15 or 20,000 people there, women and children, smelly cloth diapers people. All right? It didn't inhibit Jesus' power one bit. And the anointing is not affected in a church by the presence of your snot-nosed children. It's not. We would appreciate you not letting them touch the cookies out there and spreading the sickness, but it does not inhibit the power of God or the presence of God or the moving of God. In fact, I will go so far as to say when children are in the presence of the Lord, I think the, the, the Lord, he delights all the more in his people. And his presence comes in an even more special way because he doesn't just come for the old, but he gets to come for the young as well. I think it's a beautiful thing. Don't miss this. Yeah, we need, we need community. And I love that when Moses was speaking, he didn't just pull aside, you know, parents. He spoke to the entire community. We have, we have a responsibility as a church family to be family and to speak into each other's lives and to walk together. Um, God knew, Moses knew, parents were going to need each other to mold and shape children. That's right. Amazing. Well, uh, as we close today... Um, We'd like to remind you, whether your grandparents or parents are not parents yet, you are, have been, and will be the very best possible parent your child could have. You are. God chose you. He entrusted you. He gave those children to you. He will give your children to you in the future, a heritage from the Lord. And sometimes parenting is going to be hard. Sometimes you're not going to get everything right. In fact, more often than not, you're going to get it wrong. But the actual fact is that as you work at it, and as you make the investment in your kids, as you make investments, church family, in this house, in the lives of kids, um, you're going to have a long-term effect. 
And I'd invite you to look to some heroes that are in our church right now, like Andrea Golden, who is one of the few people I have seen that has such a heart to pastor teenagers. She texts them. She praises them. She reaches out to them. We didn't ask her to. It's just who she is, and it's how she flows. And there's some other people in this room that you're, you're like that, and maybe you don't know that you're released to do it. Maybe you don't know that that's in you. I would just invite you all to consider this morning, what are the good works that God has created you for, he has crafted you for? to serve in this house, to serve the the family here, to serve the children, to serve the parents of this house. It's such an exciting thing. Um, And we could talk for 15 more minutes about other heroes that we have in this church that are doing amazing things. But can I just invite you today to make the small start? And you might not have any start. You might not even have a relationship with Jesus right now. But today could be the day that you start Today could be the day you start reading with your child. Today could be the day you start praying over your family. Today could be the day that you come and present yourself in the presence of God to make your relationship right with him. Today could be the day of your healing. There's just no end. We're going to close the service today in a little bit different way than we normally do. Usually we would have a song. Today we're going to have the guys, uh, as I like to say, spin a disc even though it hasn't happened for years. It's, it's just a file. There's no disc spinning anymore. But they're going to play a song. And if you'd like prayer, we invite you to come. The prayer team is going to come as we dismiss the service today. And you just should never leave this place the same way that you came. And you shouldn't leave with the burden that you walked in with because the Spirit of God is here and He makes your burden easier to carry. His yoke that He wants to give you is much, much easier than the yoke that you want to carry. And so this morning, I'd invite you to respond to what He's doing in your heart. And um, we're going to pray to close. And we're going to go on our way, grateful for what God has done in this place today. So, Father, I thank you for each family, for each household that's represented in this room, for those watching online. And, Jesus, we're so thankful for your power and your presence today. We're so thankful for the cross, for what you have done, the the great price that you paid for us to be made right with our Heavenly Father. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. But, Lord, especially today, I thank you that each person in this room is your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, God, that you prepared long ago so that we would walk in them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, today that as we listen for your voice, you would help us then to walk into this calling that you have for each of us, that you would help us to walk freely, uninhibited, into the future that you want us in, God. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.